Welcome to the Let's Talk Talent podcast. I'll be speaking to talent leaders, business owners, people and culture specialists on everything to do with talent acquisition from DE&I, scaling teams, building employer brands, the talent market, growing during COVID, plus much, much more. My aim is for our listeners to get at least one piece of value from each episode that you can take away and use in your role or business. I hope you enjoy. This week, I am joined by Jamie Finnegan, who is the head of global talent at Finder, taking their headcount from 100 to 550 plus business in just four years. We speak about scaling culture and talk about some of the key strategies and initiatives that Jamie introduced at Finder, the common challenges companies face when scaling, data points he uses to measure success, plus much, much more. Thank you for joining me on the Let's Talk Talent podcast. Really keen to... uh, rack your brains on uh, some of the topics that we've got coming up uh, in the episode. For the sake of the audience, mate, it'd be awesome if you could just give a bit of an intro in terms of your uh, background and uh, where you come from. Yeah, cheers, Adam. Thanks for having me, mate. Um, well, as we discovered a short while ago, we're both uh, from Birmingham originally. Um, I've been over here for in Australia for uh, almost 10 years now and worked in the talent space for the entirety of that, that time. Um, Originally worked for a company called Mitchell Lake, which was a um, a search firm essentially working with uh, some budding Australian startups, mostly kind of Series A funded and onwards. Um, I was very fortunate to work with you know some awesome people there and work across uh, multiple disciplines and some some really great Australian companies and um, so good to see some of those doing so well these days as well. Um, and then yeah, again very fortunately, uh, a friend of mine was working for the company I work at now, which is uh, Finder. Uh, Australia's most visited comparison website. Uh, we've got kind of, uh, I guess, a core comparison product and also a kind of financial wellness play. We launched an app last year in Australia and we're rolling it out now in, in the US and the UK. Um, so I'm the, I'm the global head of talent there, looking after kind of hiring across the spectrum and I guess running the function there of the crew helping us to, to build the crew at Finder. Um, so we've got a presence now in you know, 100 different countries comparing over 100 different categories. Uh, we've scaled from just shy of 100 to over 550 people in the past four and a bit years I've been there. Um, and it's been it's been a, it's been an amazing journey, um, which I'm, you know, I feel like we're still at the beginning of that whole journey, but it's been an amazing four and a half or so years now. Um, yeah, that's a bit about me. Yeah, it doesn't feel like four and a half years, though, does it? No, it's uh, it's one of them where it's kind of it's kind of flown by. But I'm also amazed at what we've achieved in that four and a half years. But there's still, you know, so much more to go that it's still, it feels like a small amount in comparison. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. I'm the same working at Ship It for the last year now. Um, mm-hmm. But it feels like a bit. It's, it's a strange one because it feels like you've just started, but it feels like you've been there a lot longer. So yeah. much has happened in that period of time, which is, uh, which is the joy of working in a in a, in a scanning company like that. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, so what in terms of you, yourself and, and go back? So you had a bit of an interesting start going into. So you did did you just fall into the talent side of things? Because I start looking back on your, your profile, you kind of started out on a sort of marketing. Is that correct? Yeah, I um, I studied media at university and uh, was really interested in that space. But kind of after a, you know studying it in a short period of time, doing internships and stuff, realised that probably wasn't for me. Um, I'd always been interested in kind of the human mind and, and people and, you know, I'd worked in kind of sales and done some marketing stuff as well and actually started off when I worked at Mitchell Lake initially helping out with their social channels, running some events for them, uh, building some partnerships with other organisations and helping with some some of their kind of marketing pieces on events that we were collaborating on as well. Yeah. And then um, 
Yeah, I guess, you know, I've got asked, you know, you've got some spare time to help out with some candidate calls and falling into that and then meeting some of these companies. I find it so intriguing and that kind of just took off, really. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Most people fall into fall into some kind of recruitment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's awesome. And just, just in terms of your situation at the moment, then, mate, and obviously head of global talent for um, Finder, what does that team look like that you're you leading at the moment? Um, so when I joined Finder, I was the kind of first person, I guess, in the people and coach team at the time, um, having to try my hand at everything really. And I remember kind of Fred, the co-founder, saying, you know, you can do this and, and this and that. And I was kind of saying, you know, I, I can try. <laughs> I'll do my best. Yeah. But, you know, my core expertise was in that kind of recruitment space. And I, um, you know, I'm very fortunate. I got to got to work on some stuff around contract law, employment law in different markets, because um, Finder was already kind of global when I joined, even though it was kind of early in a lot of those journeys, it was still had a presence in some of those countries. Um, yeah. uh, and then, you know, eventually hired some people in, in the kind of people partnering team and the people ops function. Um, and yeah, now we're a, we're a global team of, uh, I believe it's 16 currently, uh, working across kind of talent, people partnering, people ops, um, and L&D. Uh, yep. We've got other things. We're still growing and, and building out that function as well. We're hiring for roles at the moment across kind of Comp and Ben and people partnering in the US and more kind of talent roles upcoming very soon as well. Um, and then the, the talent function that I, I manage directly has uh, there's myself, there's two others in um, Australia, Cam and Jess, um, there's yep. Rachel in Denver. We've just hired, um, we've got Julianne who works for us in Manila. And we've also just hired Anya, who's going to be based in uh, Poland. But like I say, the, the team's uh, constantly growing as well. Oh, that's awesome. That's it. Sounds exciting times to go from 100 to, to what is it, close to 500 now. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, in that period of time, that's, that's fast growth. Yeah, we were 550, just over 550, now, I think 560, 570, something 560. like that. But, um, so good. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a wild one, but it's been awesome at the same time. Yeah, awesome. But yeah, that, that takes us on to the topic. I think when I initially reached out to you, I think there was a number of different topics that we could potentially talk about. Um, but the one we want to sort of get you get your inside in, info on today is scaling culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, that obviously, <laughs> at the level that you've been hiring at, that has probably been some, been some challenges uh, for, for Finder. So before we go into it, just for the sake of the listeners and um, uh and if not everyone else, so what, what, what do we mean when we talk about scaling culture from your perspective? What do we mean by that? Mm-hmm. I think you can look at it from a number of different perspectives. I think culture, you know, people talk about it as a set of associate behaviors and um, things people do when you're not around, um, actions or um, behaviors that people act out that kind of live the, the values of the company. I think that you know, the values help to. Um, help to create that culture and to instill that and to almost give some guardrails, but they don't necessarily define the culture. You know, the culture of a company tends to tends to shift and change over time. If I look at, you know, values of a company, they tend to be um, behaviours or qualities that you seek in people or what the company actually wants to stand for. Um, you know, coming up with a list of those initially. And they tend to, you know, they might change slightly over time. They might tweak. You might add one, take, get rid of one, whatever it may be. Um, and I think that's an important thing as well, which I'll come on to later on. But I think that, you know, that helps to form some of the culture. But I think that also culture is a separate beast in itself. And that, uh, you know, should um, change over time. It should evolve. It should, it, should, it should be different. You know, I think that yeah. that's, the, that's the beauty of the whole piece of culture. It changes over time. And it's almost like, you know, working at Find Earth for the time I have, the, the values have remained kind of similar. We've done a lot of work around, you know, talking about anti-behaviors and associated behaviors and 
refining those and kind of coming up with deeper meanings for parts of them. Um, yeah. I think the culture has, you know, the culture of a business when it's 100 people to 500 people is different naturally. You know, some of the processes yeah. and procedures that you had that were effective at 100 aren't effective at 500 anymore. They have to be rethought. They have to be um, done differently and have probably different systems and things to, to, to um, enhance them. So I would say that the yeah. culture shifts over time as well. Um, and when we talk about, you know, scaling that globally, there's going to be different microcosms, you know. I think that each country, each location, each team would have its own microcosm of culture. But at the same time, you want to have some similar threads um, throughout a business, uh, however that scales, whether it's in one location, in several different geographically, if there's new teams added, whatever that may be. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and one of the things that you mentioned there is the, the anti-behaviours. Mm. Um, that's not something that many people talk about. Mm. Um, so what were, what were some of those that you sort of... Um, still or uh, introduced yeah i think i think um i think you know with each value for example uh go live for example is one at finder which is a bias towards productivity to launching things to getting feedback into improving improving them um uh, associated behavior with going live is being proactive and associated behavior is to um to validate to test to learn um an anti-behavior would be, you know, saying go live because you're bored of working on something and you just want to get it out there. You know, I think it's not like, go, it's go live, but go live with quality. And we have to be, we have to be intentional about the way that we, we word these things, the way that we talk about the definition of the value, the way that we talk about the anti-definition of that value and the associated behaviors with that. I think that those values can often, you know, um, at some companies and other places I've, I've heard stories and, and read about them, you know, being used for, for a negative, in a negative con context, you know, negative connotations towards some of those values. And I think that that comes from not having them properly defined and being intentional. You know, I'm a, I'm a fairly decent reader. I think I've read Ben Horowitz a bit and, you know, he was talking about um, Uber and their intentions in the early days and how they had to be very, uh, I guess, intentional, yeah, about the way they, the way that they readdress them, the way that they redefined them, um, mm. you know, do the right thing, uh, period. It was kind of, you yeah. know, not do the right thing if you feel it's, you know, there's kind of refining those, I guess, and making them uh, really impactful is, is, that's that's what that can do, you know, the difference between having associated behaviours and not, that can really make yeah. or break whether those values are useful and what they stand for and how they're used in the business. 100%. No, that's awesome. So, so let's get into some of the details then in terms of yourself, because obviously that, as you mentioned, the, the difference between uh, 100 and, and 550, 60 now is, is completely different. So what are some of the key strategies and initiatives that you've put in as a team uh, that have ensured that you've scaled the culture successfully or tried to be as near to that as, <laughs> as successful as possible? Mm. Um, I think that, the like as I've mentioned before about the values, I think having those strong yeah. core values, they, they mean something and uh, then we bake them into... You know, the interview process, the onboarding process, people's annual reviews, um, we create initiatives around them, you know, our hack days, we're doing hacks giving at the moment, um, that's, uh, you know, the whole go live nature and, and how we can launch new products and services in the business from a few days of hacking some of those things. Yep. Um, and we try and keep that spirit alive through that. Um, we have Master Your Craft, which is all about learning and bettering yourself. We have a we have an annual Master Your Craft budget, which people get at Finder to, you know, take on courses, go to events, whatever it may be, and better themselves. I've just done one recently. I did the Amplify uh, Accelerator um, with Lars Schmidt, the course with him, Redefining HR, which was which was fantastic. And again, I used my Master Your Craft budget to, to enable that. Um, yeah. We've got, you know, also a Master Your Craft um, Summit, which is happening at the moment with some amazing keynote speakers, which we've still been able to run 
virtually. Um, so I think having a strong set of core values and bringing them to life, um, yeah. not just having them, you know, you can have them on t-shirts, you can have them on, you know, coffee cups, whatever, that's great. And, you know, that's, I'm not saying don't do that, but I'm saying if that's all you're doing, you probably need to rethink that. I think how you bring them to life and how you build them into some of the rituals in your company. Um, I think another piece is having rituals, you know, um, having these hack days that we build and having that nature of the way that we are as a company helps to, to instill that. Having, you know, our 90-day presentation, having our, uh, we have medals of service, which is, you know, when people have been at the company for three years or five years as a medal, 10 years, you get a medal and a jacket and all kinds of other things, um, which we're very fortunate, I guess, in the unique position. We've had, I think, um, eight or nine 10-year anniversaries already in the business, and we've got um, we've had two already this year. I believe there's another one or two to come this year and many more next year. Um, so I think that just, that's a reflection of how well the business has scaled its culture and how much effort it puts into its crew, the fact that we have people having 10-year anniversaries. Yeah. Um, I think the some of the rituals, you know, we have medals of honor. So every 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 ninety days, we have a there's a, a you know physical plaque in the office, and people who've been involved in something that's changed the game at Find or really helped to push the business forward, um, their names will be added to a plaque. So when we won the when we got you know listed in the great places to work for the first time here, you know all of the people and culture crew and and some of the kind of PR and comms team and helped with the submissions and stuff. Our names are up there now on the on the plaque in every office around the 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 company, um, you know, and that's constantly going to be ingrained in Finder's DNA and part of our success story. So some of those kind of rituals and practices as well really help. Um, yeah, I think that you know, I know office space uh, is something that's probably not been used as much in the last you know twelve to eighteen months as it has been previously. Um, yeah, but we've put a lot of work into you know that physical office space. Um, and making sure that like a rocket ship in every place, you know, the meeting rooms, whether they were called Interstellar in Australia or Millennium Falcon in the US or whatever it may be in the other countries as well. So you kind of had that theme running through. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's some of the things that we've done. And then and I guess more, you know, if we look at all of our distributed crew uh, that we've had, which, you know, a third of Finder's entire company was um, fully remote prior to the pandemic. So we had to have some of these practices in place, which is, you know, we're grateful for now thinking about that. But, um, you know, we made sure that people got on board in the same way, that they still had lunch with the team on their first day, even if they were remotely, that they got their swag and everything delivered on the, you know, before their first day and so they had all that ready to go. Um, so those kind of little touches as well, I think, are important in, in helping to scale that and showing what the business stands for. Yeah, no, 100%, I completely agree. And and, and, and touching on the, sort of the pandemic, what changed for you as a business in terms of that? I know it sounds like you had a lot of the, these initiatives way before the pandemic come along, so mm-hmm. it's maybe easier for people to be working remotely. But for the other two thirds of the organisation that weren't necessarily used to that, yeah. how did that? How did the did the culture change at all, or how did you actually have to adjust to that? Yeah, I think speaking more broadly, if I'm being honest, I think that outside of Finder, even a lot of companies when people were working remotely prior to the pandemic, it was almost accommodating those people. Um, yeah. And I think the good thing that the good thing that's happened from this pandemic, one positive to draw from it, I think is that companies have had to rethink that, you know, they can't get away with just accommodating people working remotely. That has to now almost be the, 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 the mindset of, you know, remote first or kind of hybrid working. Um, so it's kind of making the, making all those things as enjoyable and as engaging for people, whether you are in the office, whether you're not. Um, yeah. We've had to rethink that with 
you know, when everyone's fully remote as well, that's a bit different when you're having to think about hybrid, when you think about throwing Christmas parties now and that kind of thing. We're having to make it as engaging for people in and out of the office at the same time, which is a whole new challenge. Um, yeah. So we thought about, you know, how to do them for different groups of people who were working completely distributed and those who weren't. I think now yeah. having to think of it as a as a one group at the same time um, and how to engage both simultaneously, that's a whole new challenge and something we've had to rethink. You know, we had we had all the... The technology you would expect, you know, your Slack, your your Zoom, your Jira, Miro, uh, whatever your kind of tools you used to use for collaboration and for communication um, prior to the pandemic, and I'm sure many others did. But I think that, yeah, rethinking that, like we did a we did a um, just an example of some stuff we've done recently. Like we did a pottery class literally last Friday, and we even, okay. we, we posted out stuff to people's houses. But also, if you're in the office, you could have it delivered there. And we had people joining remotely, but also doing it as a group in the office. And we could kind of all get involved together. And we did it before with a cooking competition with some from MasterChef a few months ago. And some of those kind of cool things we've been able to reimagine and and make work just as well, whether you are in the office or whether you're not. That's um, awesome. We used to record things like our you know our all hands presentations. If it was difficult for certain time zones, being a global business, you know, we would record those and store them in Confluence, people to be able to watch back, summarize the notes. Um, and we've continued to do that now, you know, uh, but I think that that's probably something that people probably weren't doing as much of before. And, uh, you know, also running meetings at different times for different time zones to suit them as well. Being truly a global company, not a Australian company that has a global presence. So we've tried to do that as much as we can. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It sounds like you've got it, got it down, Pat. So in terms of the, uh, from the, the global, I know you mentioned earlier when you did the intro, sort of globally it's been a bit uh can be difficult times to actually get that culture across uh, various different time zones is there, is there anything that you've put into place apart from obviously those uh the, the meetings and things like that that different time zones that you've kind of had to accommodate or try to harder to to get that uh, culture uh presence in those uh, areas yeah look i think time zones one thing um obviously that's just being flexible and uh, understanding that you know when it's a good time zone for people to be able to meet and you can kind of be flexible with that to suit different uh, locations not just always to be Australia centric or to be US centric or whatever it may be and yeah. to try and move those around a bit to accommodate people but look outside of time zones scaling culture across those different markets as well it's the same thing about building strategies for different markets you know I think that mm. you have to look at the people practices like you would look like a commercial or a product practice and yes, you can have overarching principles and an overarching strategy, but you still have to localize somewhat for that place. Um, so again, yeah. we've tried to do that with the culture, you know, work on initiatives and things that are important to that market as well, not just to try and do a one-size-fits-all or catch-all kind of solution because, in all honesty, that doesn't scale uh, as effectively as it, as it could. I think that having... Well, anyway, I think the thing we've seen work the best is having you know, globally agreed overarching principles, but also having that flexibility to be able to localize for that market. And, and whether that's been across, you know, running events, creating kind of more of a, a cultural sense of being, whether it's our diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging um, initiatives, uh, whether it's our product strategies, you know, I think that people should approach that kind of um, people practice and all the, all the things that come underneath that or within that, uh, the same way you would approach it from a commercial or a or a product practice as well, and try and build it that way. Yeah, hundred percent. And it, the, the one thing that sort of stands out for me, with the, the likes of Ship It, um, where I am at the moment, is that um, and you, you mentioned the values earlier is is a huge part in the the, the sort of foundation around sort of the culture of the business. And one thing that strikes me with Ship It is that it's it's followed from the top down, so it's kind of the, the values are 
they live, they, the co-founders live by those values mm-hmm. and they're instilled through the business. And, and like you mentioned earlier about sort of having a value stage of interviews, we, we have the same thing. Um, what, what's that like at, uh, at Finder in terms of, um, is it, are they true, that those values that you, you mentioned, are they followed from the top and sort of instilled through? And is that does that make it easier for a business to scale the culture that way? Yeah, the values are, of course, I mean, they were the, the values were designed by the founders originally in the early days, yeah. you know, 14, 15 years ago now, um, based on behaviours and qualities in the early crew that they liked um, and wanted to kind of see, kind of create the pillars, I guess, for as we were growing the business. Um, and then, as I mentioned, kind of having them as part of your, you know, interview process, we have kind of, you know, we're constantly assessing at every stage for, you know, for values alignment, for culture ad, these kind of things. Um but we're also, you know, we're also looking at um, do these things still make sense? You know, we've done we've done several things around. You know, uh, are these are these values still relevant? Do we need to do more work, like I say, on the associated behaviours, on defining them and redefining them? Do we need to add a new one? Do we take one out? So we've constantly asked ourselves that question. I think we're, you know, very fortunate that we haven't had to change too much, but we have evolved, I guess, the the stuff around the value, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, and I think you don't, you know, the founders. It's uh, it's not something that's just in those processes as well. You know, if we ask a question, if I ask a question to Fred or to Frank or Jeremy or any of the kind of founders, and you know, they're keen to just to do it. You know, go live is the word they use. That's a common vernacular and part of the vocabulary at Finder. You know, um, people mastering their craft is obviously associated to that, but it's also you know, someone's truly mastering their craft if they're learning something or if they're teaching a class or if they're sharing that knowledge. And I think that they're things that we actually say. Uh, you know, opening the business, they come become baked into the vocabulary of people. Um, yeah. But I think that you know those values are a part of it. But like I say, culture comes in every form and in all directions. I don't think it's purely coming from the top down. I think it's also not purely coming from a people team or a whatever team. I think it's uh, it's everyone's responsibility, right? I think everyone has a. Yeah. If the business or any business is being run the right way, anyone should have the ability to input on that culture and to have impact on the culture. I think that. Um, yeah, I love that. We awesome. we do have that at Finder. I think that you know you, it doesn't matter. On one of our values is one crew, right? So yeah. having a one crew effort would be kind of pitching in and making it happen, no matter what your role is. You know, we're all pushing towards common common goals here. And yeah. you know, everyone's on the same team. There is only one crew truly at Finder. Yeah. Um, and I think that we try we try and we try and make that live and breathe. And and I think that that that's, it speaks in itself for the fact that everyone is equal, no matter you know. How long you've been with the business? What country and what team you're in? Whatever, everyone has the same volume on their voice when they when they have an opinion, you know. Um, so yeah. we try and make sure that 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 can that can come from every direction and at any time. Yeah, hundred percent, and that's key. Yeah, it's uh, everyone having an input across the business. Mm-hmm. It's, um, yeah, one hundred percent. And was there any any kind of things that you were looking to implement or um, looking at building that didn't work out the way you thought it was going to go, or um, and, and and also on the back of that. Did you, did you actually learn from it and actually come up with other initiatives? Um, I can't think of any huge, like, massive mistakes we made or anything, thankfully. But, yeah. you know, there's things that there's things that we probably, again, we went live with, we put out there, we tested and go, we probably need to tweak this or we need to evolve it or take it in a different direction mm-hmm. or maybe we roll it out differently, you know. So I think that, again, it's the whole taking that product-led approach to people and running that yeah. in the same way. You know, you wouldn't put a... A product out there to your customers that wasn't functioning properly and just leave it there and go oh, it'll probably work itself out so why should you do that with people if it's an internal practice you know you you work out what's working and going well you work out what isn't and you try and you try and bridge the gaps there and, and you know enhance what is working well so I think that they're things that we've 
we've tried to do. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, like I mentioned before about um, trying to be a global business with a global approach, but localizing, I think that's something we've learned, uh, not necessarily learned the hard way, but I think it's just from feedback and listening to people. Again, the people will oftentimes give you the answers you're looking for if you listen to them properly. I think that, um, you know, some of our, some of our um, initiatives we've tried to run in diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging, you know, there's, di- there's different countries have different, different views on that. There's different things that are kind of more poignant in those markets. So again, we've had to kind of drill down and probably research further. And so I think that that's something we do quite well now as a business is build an overarching set of principles. And when I say a set of principles, I mean literally like for talent, for example, we've got 12 principles. We've got, as a people and culture team, we've got 11 principles. And between different teams, we have them. We agree on them. The people in those teams sign off on them. And we're kind of, you know, aligned by those, I guess, as people. Um, But then we can localize specific for markets outside this. So it gives us a kind of a foundation with flexibility, I guess, is the way to look at that. Yeah, no, I love that. That's awesome. Um, and in terms of, um, from your perspective and looking at it, obviously we're both part of uh, a Slack channel with quite a number of different uh, tech startups that are a part of it. From, from, from your feeling, what do you think are some of the common challenges that some of these fast growing organizations are facing when, when they are scaling? Um, I think there's I think there's common threads for a lot of these you know scaling tech businesses. I think yeah. that also one thing to mention is you know just because it works at Finder doesn't mean it's going to work at ShipIt. Just because it works at Google yeah. doesn't mean it will work at Twitter. You know it's one of those things that 100%. again you can take some some learnings from and listen to people's opinions and maybe those people can help to try and validate some of your thinking. But it's not going to yeah. be a one size fits all solution. So I think that you know. I mean, there's, obviously there's current challenges in the market globally around, you know, talent shortage and competitiveness for that talent. People are talking about this whole great resignation piece, which uh, I'm not sure what to think of necessarily. I'm not, I'm not 100% convinced by it. I think that, you know, I get that people have stayed in a job for job security and now they have opportunities open to them and they may be looking at that. You know, people have rephrased it as the, the great reassessment. People are reassessing what's important to them now after some time. Uh, a lot of companies, you know, people I've spoken to, um, there's actually a CTO of a company last week on a, on a panel um, that we did for the men championing change uh, fourth birthday that I'm a co-organizer for. And someone said, called it the great, um, the great vacation, you know, because borders have been closed. It's not necessarily that people will be leaving. If you've treated them well, people just might want to have a, a long vacation. And unfortunately, that might happen for a lot of people, especially if you're you know, in Australia, there's a lot of people who have expats and family overseas and stuff, and, and I'm sure in many of the markets, the same. Um, so it's another thing you're going to have to look at is, you know, um, people's annual leave balance, people taking vacation, capacity planning for that if it's all happening at the same time. So that's another angle to look at the whole great resignation piece on. But I think that, you know, there's discussions around salary influxes and there's things around policy rethinking. We've just done some work there, which we were doing anyway, but we've, we've done some Changes to our policy, like our, um, our, we just launched a, a 20-week parental leave policy, which as someone who's going to be a, a first-time father in February, um, I'm, I'm excited by that one. Um, I, think it's, <laughs> I think it's amazing Congrats. that I'll get to uh, you know, spend time with my son in his, in, his, in his early days, but also to be there to support my wife and make sure that she's um, supported throughout that, that piece as well. Uh, we've yep. also relaunched, like a, you know, we've added an extra five days of annual leave to everyone globally as part of our, um, you would call it life leave. So it's, you know, things yeah. like if you're, it's your child's first day at school, if it's heartbreak leave, you know, if there's a relationship you're having some struggles with or ending, if it's a, 
um, quaternity, you know, if, you, if you've got a new pet coming into the house and you need to spend some days to settle that. So we've, we've allowed everyone else to have five days extra a year. And I think these are just, these are things that I said a while ago were going to become more important than they have been. Um, I think yeah. that, you know, office space and, uh, you know, beanbags and free lunches and all these kind of things, we have all those things and they're, 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 they're still great to have. But I think that, you know, in the longer run, people are going to look more at the benefits and the perks, you know, whether that's to do with parental leave, the, the life leave, the flexibility, the childcare, the, um, you know, extra super maybe. If it's in the US, you're looking at kind of, you know, 401k allowances and different dental and health benefits. Um, if yeah. it's UK, your pension, you know, there's all these different kind of things in different markets that people are, I think companies are going to have to start rethinking where they approach those and what they're actually offering. Um, so, you know, without going Completely on forever, agree. there's some of the things that I think people will see as, as things they'll have to, uh, to, to adjust, adjust for. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And it's, it's things that we're, we as a business are looking at at the moment as well. And, mm -hmm. and time, whether people like it or not, the, the times have changed over these last two years. Mm -hmm. And people's kind of motivations towards work, I think it's come to the realisation of what, what's actually important to people now. Um, and it's going to make a massive difference. Yeah, I think someone someone spoke to me last week and was um, asking about, you know, do you feel the, the balance has shifted now and it's more of a candidate-driven market? And I, I kind of just paused for a second. I kind of thought, if you've been approaching it as it's not a candidate-driven market ever for the last few years, mm -hmm. then you've kind of been doing it wrong for a long time. You know, I think it's been, it's been, it's obviously been a two-way process when people are interviewing a company and a person for, for a long time, I think. And, yeah. and if people think that's only a recent thing, then I think, you know, they've probably missed a trick there. I think that, for a long time, it's been about you know branding your business properly, making sure you've got a compelling EVP and story to tell, making sure that you know you've got whether whether you want people to work for your company or not, people should want to work for your company when they go into an interview yeah. process, and it's about giving them the best experience as a candidate that you possibly can. And I think that's also you know that's also the way you should approach people who work for the business internally. You know, it's like everyone should have the the best opportunity to do the best work and be looked after in the best way, and, and you know enjoy that enjoy their time. Um, the lines are getting blurred more and more between work and home life. Um, it's just becoming less of a less of a balance and more of a blend, I guess. So that's something that people need to consider um, as well. I think there are there are all a lot of topics that I think people will will probably speak on more in the next few years and what's gone well and what hasn't gone well there. Um, so no. yeah, keen to hear more about that in the next in the next while as well. No, hundred percent. That, that's perfect. And then, and in terms of from from a measurement from a, uh, a finder, um, in terms of your Measuring the success. What, what are some of the data points that you actually use to measure the success of the of making sure that you're scanning the culture in the right way? Mm, that's a good question. We have um, a few different data points. So ways to measure, you know, uh, EMPS and kind of you know uh, employee sentiment, the crew feedback around these kind of things. Um, that's from obviously just a you know a measurement out of you know a scale of one to ten or a percentage, whatever it may be. But we also have an open text area and kind of. Um, anything else extra to add, which we actually have a, a weekly AMA in each country. And as part of our 90-day presentation, we'll also do this. Um, the company all hands every 90 days. I'll actually use some of that text from those from those tools and actually face the questions directly. Another one of our values is be straight up. And I think that it's important yeah. that we you know, are honest with each other, but also that we communicate clearly and, and take on feedback well. Um, it's a sign of a business able to operate well from a people's perspective when you can do those things. So I think that we're really... Um, we try and get the founders or the leaders of the business, you know, whether it's the country CEOs, the CTO, whatever it may be, to answer those questions and speak to people's concerns or their remarks. Or you know, some of them are very positive as well, and we kind of try and look at those and, and we enhance, we try and build on those and enhance enhance the business based on that feedback too. So I think the 
yeah. listening to the feedback actively is, is the key there. Um, another, I guess, measurement for success is obviously, you know, we have external bodies, there's great places to work. We've done that for the last couple of years and, you know, very thankfully we've, we've, we've made the great places to work or best place to work list um, for the last two years in a row, which is fantastic. But again, you get a lot of, you get a lot of really meaningful data with that. Um, which is which is super interesting. We also have just launched our. We've just got. The, we've actually just got the data crunched from our second um, internal diversity survey we've run, um, diversity and inclusion survey. So we've built out some data points around that and the sentiment there, and kind of built out built out our overarching themes for this year based on the feedback there and based on some of the key data points that we've taken. And we'll be looking to you know split up working groups to 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 collaborate and to hopefully uh, improve things in those areas that we've, we've set ourselves the, the goal to. So, yeah, there's a number of different, I guess, areas we gather data from and, and how we use that data, again, comes in different forms. Um, but the, yeah. the key first part is just is setting up the systems to be able to gather that data, listening to it properly, actioning it, and, you know, the, the data's no good if there's no actions that come from it. You know, you can have reams yeah. and reams of data and sentiment from people, and if they don't, um, if that doesn't get used to make positive change or to improve things or to enhance what's already working, then it's, it's redundant really. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. You can record everything, but it's, uh, if you're not actually doing anything about it, then what's the point? Exactly, you know? yeah. um, so if, if uh, the final question for me, mate, if you were to give us a piece of advice to a talent head or a business owner who currently scaling at speed and struggling to maintain that culture that got them there, mm-hmm. what would, what would your advice be or uh, in order for them to, to successfully do that? Um, I don't think I've got a one-size-fits-all kind of answer to that yeah. question, but I would say, the first thing I would say is, you know, you've got this, uh, you know, people often, it can be overwhelming, people can doubt themselves, there's, a, there's a, the, 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 the thought of imposter syndrome in a lot of this, and, you know, people will work, you know, the right, if, you, if you approach it in the right way, you will work it out, and I think with the right support in the business, you can get there, and um, very thankful, you know, there's a lot of great people in in the industry in Australia and in other markets as well that are willing to share feedback and thoughts and perspectives to, to, to help others as well. And I think that that truly collaborative group is something I'm super thankful for and I'm sure many others within that group as well. Um, I would say that, you know, if you're trying to link the success of a talent function, ultimately that's linked to the success of a business function as in the entire company. I think working closely with founders or leaders in the company to agree and align on a strategy to pop properly capacity plan uh, against you know budgets and forecasts to reevaluate those ongoing to try and test new things and not be too rigid with the systems you have and see what you know evolve that over time to make sure that you do have systems and you know you can gather data when needed and you're measuring the right things so there's probably I know that's not one piece of uh, advice that's probably several pieces of advice but they're all important things to consider when you are trying to you know scale a business scale culture to to form to form the the foundations that will take you to that next level. Um, so, yeah, there's probably a few things I'd, I'd list there. That's awesome. That was more than I expected, so I really appreciate that. Um, it's been it's been awesome to, to catch up with you. Um, uh, and in terms of the uh, – it'd be awesome to get you back on, Jamie, in terms of some of the other topics that we can potentially unwrap and uh, get your thoughts on. Um, before we before I let you go, mate, in terms of the, the channels for the listeners to actually get hold of you, uh, what's the sort of best uh, – best platforms for them to reach out to you with any questions yeah cheers mate thanks for having me um love to always you know come back on and talk about anything that i can try and add value on um i yeah. think the, the I'm, I'm not a guy who's got you know too many socials i'm not on instagram or twitter or anything so <laughs> i'm on the the main one i guess from a from a talent perspective would be linkedin and um, so just 
I think it's uh, just just search Jamie Finnegan. There's not that many of us. I'm the one that works for Finder. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it really. Just Jamie at Finder.com. If anyone wants to chat about anything else, feel free to reach out. Mate, that's awesome. It's been a pleasure and uh, thank you for your time. It's, uh, there's a lot of uh, nuggets of information that you've given there that I'm sure the listeners will get uh, value from. Well, good, I really appreciate it. Great to speak to you, mate. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, Jamie. Thank speak you. soon, mate. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you for joining me on the Let's Talk Talent podcast. Really keen to uh, rack your brains on uh, some of the topics that we've got coming up uh, in the episode. For the sake of the audience, mate, it'd be awesome if you could just give a bit of an intro in terms of your uh, background and uh, where you come from. Yeah, cheers, Adam. Thanks for having me, mate. Um, well, as we discovered a short while ago, we're both uh, from Birmingham originally. Um, I've been over here for in Australia for uh, almost 10 years now and worked in the talent space for the entirety of that, that time. Um, originally worked for a company called Mitchell Lake, which was a um, a search firm essentially working with uh, some budding Australian startups, mostly kind of Series A funded and onwards. Um, I was very fortunate to work with you know, some awesome people there and work across uh, multiple disciplines and some, some really great Australian companies and um, so good to see some of those doing so well these days as well. Um, and then, yeah, again, very fortunately, uh, a friend of mine was working for the company I work at now, which is uh, Finder, uh, Australia's most visited comparison website. Uh, we've got kind of, uh, I guess, a core comparison product and also a kind of financial wellness play. We launched an app last year in Australia and we're rolling it out now in, in the US and the UK. Um, so I'm the, I'm the global head of talent there, looking after kind of hiring across the spectrum and I guess running the function there of the crew helping us to, to build the crew at Finder. Um, so we've got a presence now in, you know, 100 different countries comparing over 100 different categories. Uh, we've scaled from just shy of 100 to over 550 people in the past four and a bit years I've been there, um, and it's been it's been a it's been an amazing journey. Um, which I'm, you know, I feel like we're still at the beginning of that whole journey, but it's been an amazing four and a half or so years now. Um, yeah, that's a bit about me. Yeah, I bet it doesn't feel like four and a half years, though, does it? No, it's uh, it's one of them where it's kind of it's kind of flown by, but I'm also amazed at what we've achieved in that four and a half years. But there's still you know so much more to go that it's a, it feels like a small amount in comparison. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. I'm the same working at Ship It for the last year now, um, mm-hmm. but it feels like a bit, it's, it's a strange one because it feels like you've just started, but it feels like you've been there a lot longer. So yeah. much has happened in that period of time, which is, uh, which is the joy of working in a, in a, in a scanning company like that. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, so what, in terms of you, yourself and, and going back, so you had a bit of an interesting start going into, so you did, did you just fall into the talent side of things? Because like looking back on your, your profile, you kind of started out on a sort of marketing, is that correct? Yeah, I, um, I'd studied media at university and uh, was really interested in that space, but kind of after, a, you know, studying it in a short period of time, doing internships and stuff, realised that probably wasn't for me. Um, I'd always been interested in kind of the human mind and, and people, um, you know, I'd worked in kind of sales and done some marketing stuff as well and actually started off when I worked at Mitchell Lake initially helping out with their social channels, running some events for them, uh, building some partnerships with other organisations and helping with some some of their kind of marketing pieces on events that we were collaborating on as well. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I guess, you know, got asked, you know, if you've got some spare time to help out with some candidate calls and falling into that and then meeting some of these companies, I found it so intriguing and that kind of just took off really. Yeah, well, that's interesting. And most people fall into fall into some kind of recruitment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's awesome. And just, just in terms of your situation at the moment, then, mate, and obviously head of global talent for um, Finder, 
what does that team look like that you, you, you're leading at the moment? Um, so when I joined Finder, I was the kind of first person, I guess, in the people and coach team at the time, um, having to try my hand at everything really. And I remember kind of Fred, the co-founder, saying, you know, you can do this and, and this and that. And I was kind of saying, you know, I, I can try. <laughs> um, I'll do my best. Yeah. But, you know, my core expertise was in that kind of recruitment space. And I, um, you know, very fortunate I got to got to work on some stuff around contract law, employment law in different markets, because um, Finder was already kind of global when I joined, even though it was kind of early in a lot of those journeys, it was still had a presence in some of those countries. Um, yeah. uh, and then, you know, eventually hired some people in, in the kind of people partnering team and the people ops function. Um, and yeah, now we're a, we're a global team of, uh, I believe it's 16 currently, uh, working across kind of talent, people partnering, people ops, um, and L&D. Uh, we've got other things we're still growing and and building out that function as well we're hiring for roles at the moment across kind of comp and ben and people partnering in the us and more kind of talent roles upcoming very soon as well Um, and then the the talent function that i I manage directly has uh there's myself there's two others in um australia cam and jess and there's rachel in denver we just hired um we've got julianne who works for us in manila and we've also just hired Anya, who's going to be based in uh, Poland. But like I say, the, the team's uh, constantly growing as well. Oh, that's awesome. That's it. Sounds exciting times to go from 100 to, what is it, close to 500 now. It's, mm-hmm. uh, in that period of time, that's, that's fast growth. Yeah, we've got 550, just over 550 now, I think 560, 570, something like that. But, um, so good. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a wild one, but it's been awesome at the same time. Yeah, awesome. And that, that takes us on to the topic. I think when I initially reached out to you, I think there was a number of different topics that we could potentially talk about. Um, but the one we want to sort of get you get your inside in, info on today is scaling culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, that obviously, <laughs> at the level that you've been hiring at, that, that's probably some, been some challenges uh, for, for Finder. So before we go into it, just for the sake of the listeners and um, uh, if not everyone else, so what, what, what do we mean when we talk about scaling culture? Yeah, from your perspective, what do we mean by that? Mm-hmm. I think you can look at it from a number of different perspectives. I think culture, you know, people talk about it as a set of associated behaviours and things people do when you're not around, um, actions or um, behaviours that people act out that kind of live the, the values of the company. I think that, you know, the values help to... Um, help to create that culture and to instill that and to almost give some guardrails, but they don't necessarily define the culture. You know, the culture of a company tends to tends to shift and change over time. If I look at, you know, values of a company, they tend to be um, behaviours or qualities that you seek in people or what the company actually wants to stand for. Um, you know, coming up with a list of those initially and they tend to, you know, they might change slightly over time, they might tweak, you might add one, take, get rid of one, whatever it may be. Um, and I think that's an important thing as well, which I'll come on to later on. But I think that, you know, that helps to form some of the culture. But I think that also culture is a separate beast in itself. And that, uh, you know, should um, change over time. It should evolve. It should, it, should, it should be different. You know, I think that yeah. that's, the, that's the beauty of the whole piece of culture. It changes over time. And it's almost like, you know, working at Find Earth for the time I have, the, the values have remained kind of similar. We've done a lot of work around, you know, talking about anti-behaviors and associated behaviors and refining those and kind of coming up with deeper meanings for parts of them. Um, yeah. I think the culture has, you know, the culture of a business when it's 100 people to 500 people is different naturally. You know, some of the processes yeah. and procedures that you had that were effective at 100 aren't effective at 500 anymore. They have to be rethought. They have to be um, done differently and have probably different systems and things to, to, 
to um, enhance them. So I would say that the culture shifts over time as well. Um, and when we talk about you know scaling that globally, there's going to be different microcosms. You know, I think that each country, each location, each team would have its own microcosm of culture. But at the same time, you want to have some similar threads um, throughout a business, uh, however that scales, whether it's in one location, in several different geographically, if there's new teams added, whatever that may be. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and one of the things that you mentioned there is the, the anti-behaviours. Mm. Um, that's not something that many people talk about. Mm. Um, so what were, what were some of those that you sort of um, instilled or uh, introduced? Yeah, I think, I, think, um, I think, you know, with each value, for example, uh, Go Live, for example, is one at Finder, which is a bias towards proactivity, to launching things, to getting feedback into improving, improving them. Um, uh, associated behavior with going live is being proactive, and associated behavior is to um, to validate, to test, to learn. Um, an anti-behavior would be, you know, saying go live because you're bored of working on something and you just want to get it out there. You know, I think it's not like go, it's go live, but go live with quality. And we have to be we have to be intentional about the way that we we word these things, the way that we talk about the definition of the value, the way that we talk about the anti-definition of that value and the associated behaviors with that. I think that. Those values can often, you know, um, at some companies and other places I've, I've heard stories and, and read about them, you know, being used for, for a negative, in a negative con context, you know, negative connotations towards some of those values. And I think that that comes from not having them properly defined and being intentional. You know, I'm a, I'm a fairly decent reader. I think I've read Ben Horowitz a bit and, you know, he was talking about yeah. um, Uber and their intentions in the early days and how they had to be very, uh, I guess, intentional, yeah, about the way they the way that they readdress them, the way that they redefined them, um, mm. you know, do the right thing, uh, period. It was kind of, yeah. you know, not do the right thing if you feel it's, you know, there's kind of refining those, I guess, and making them uh, really impactful is, is, that's that's what that can do, you know, the difference between having associated behaviours and not, that can really make yeah. or break whether those values are useful and what they stand for and how they use it in the business. 100%. No, that's awesome. So, so let's get into some of the details then in terms of yourself, because obviously that, as you mentioned, the, the difference between uh, 100 and, and 550, 560 now is, is completely different. So what are some of the key strategies and initiatives that you've put in as a team uh, that have ensured that you've scaled the culture successfully or tried to be as near to that as, <laughs> as successful as possible? Mm. Um, I think that, the like as I've mentioned before about the values, that having those strong yeah. core values, they, they mean something and uh, then we bake them into... You know the interview process, the onboarding process, people's annual reviews. Um, we create initiatives around them. You know our hack days. We're doing hacks giving at the moment. Um, that's uh, you know the whole go live nature and, and how we can launch new products and services in the business from a few days of hacking some of those things. Yeah. Um, and we try and keep that spirit alive through that. And um, we have master your craft, which is all about learning and bettering yourself. We have a we have an annual master your craft budget, which people get at Finder to, you know, take on courses, go to events, whatever it may be, and better themselves. I've just done one recently. I did the Amplify uh, Accelerator um, with Lars Schmidt, the course with him, redefining HR, which was which was fantastic. And again, I used my master your craft budget to to enable that. Um, yeah. We've got, you know, also a master your craft um, summit, which is happening at the moment with some amazing keynote speakers, which we've still been able to run virtually. Um, so I think having a strong set of core values and bringing them to life, um, yeah. not just having them, you know, you can have them on t-shirts, you can have them on, you know, coffee cups, whatever, that's great. And, you know, that's, I'm not saying don't do that, but I'm saying if that's all you're doing, you probably need to rethink that. I think how you bring them to life and how you build them into some of the rituals in your company. Um, 
I think another piece is having rituals, you know, um, having these hack days that we build and having that nature of the way that we are as a company helps to, to instill that. Having, you know, our 90 day presentation, having our, uh, we have medals of service, which is, you know, when people have been at the company for three years or five years as a medal, 10 years, you get a medal and a jacket and all kinds of other things, um, which we're very fortunate, I guess, in the unique position we've had, I think, um, eight or nine 10 year find anniversaries already in the business. And we've got, um, we've had two already this year. I believe there's another one or two to come this year and many more next year. And um, so I think that just, that's a reflection of how well the business has scaled its culture and how much effort it puts into its crew. The fact that we have people having 10 year find anniversaries. Yeah. Um, I think the, some of the rituals, you know, we have medals of honor. So every, every, every 90 days we have a, there's a, a you know, a physical plaque in the office. And people who've been involved in something that's changed the game at Find or really helped to push the business forward, um, their names will be added to a plaque. So when we won the, when we got you know listed in the great places to work for the first time here, you know all of the people and culture crew and and some of the kind of PR and comms team who helped with the submissions and stuff, our names are up there now on the on the plaque in every office around the 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 company. Um, you know, and that's constantly going to be ingrained in Finder's DNA and part of our success story. So some of those kind of rituals and practices as well really help um, yeah. I think that you know I know office space uh, is something that's probably not been used as much in the last you know 12 to 18 months as it has been previously um, yeah. but we put a lot of work into you know that physical office space um, and making sure that like a rocket ship in every place you know the meeting rooms whether they were called Interstellar in Australia or Millennium Falcon in the US or whatever it may be in the other countries as well so you kind of had that theme running through um, yeah yeah, there's some of the things that we've done. And then and I guess more, you know, if we look at all of our distributed crew uh, that we've had, which, you know, a third of Finder's entire company was um, fully remote prior to the pandemic. So we had to have some of these practices in place, which is, you know, we're grateful for now thinking about that. But, um, you know, we made sure that people got on board in the same way, that they still had lunch with the team on their first day, even if they were remotely, that they got their swag and everything delivered on the, you know, before their first day. And so they had all that ready to go. Um, so those kind of little touches as well, I think are important in, in helping to scale that and showing what the business stands for. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I completely agree. And, 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 and so touching on the, sort of the pandemic, what, what changed for you as a business in terms of that? I know it sounds like you had a lot of the, these initiatives way before the pandemic come along. So mm-hmm. it's maybe easier for people to be working remotely, but for the other two thirds of the organisation that weren't necessarily used to that, yeah. how did that? How did the did the culture change at all, or how did you actually have to adjust to that? Yeah, I think speaking more broadly, if I'm being honest, I think that outside of Finder, even a lot of companies, when people were working remotely prior to the pandemic, it was almost accommodating those people. Um, yeah, and I think the good thing that the good thing that's happened from this pandemic, one positive to draw from it, I think, is that companies have had to rethink that. You know, they can't get away with just accommodating people working remotely that has to now almost be the, the 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 mindset of you know remote first or kind of hybrid working and so it's kind of making the making all those things as enjoyable and as engaging for people whether you are in the office whether you're not and um, yeah we've had to rethink that with you know when everyone's fully remote as well that's a bit different when you're having to think about hybrid when you think about throwing christmas parties now and that kind of thing we're having to make it as engaging for people in and out of the office at the same time which is a whole new challenge um yeah so we thought about you know how to do them for different groups of people who were working completely distributed and those who weren't i think now yeah. having to think of it as a as a one group at the same time um and how to engage both simultaneously that's a whole new challenge and something we've had to rethink you know we had we had all the the technology you would expect, you know, your Slack, your 
your uh, Zoom, your Jira, Miro, uh, whatever your kind of tools you used to use for collaboration and for communication um, prior to the pandemic, and I'm sure many of us did. But I think that, yeah, rethinking that, like we did a, we did a, um, just an example of some stuff we've done recently. Like we did a pottery class literally last Friday, and we even, okay. we, we posted out stuff to people's houses, but also if you're in the office, you could have it delivered there. And we had people joining remotely, but also doing it as a group in the office, and we could kind of all get involved together and. We did it before with a cooking competition with someone from MasterChef a few months ago. And some of those kind of cool things we've been able to reimagine and, and make work just as well, whether you are in the office or whether you're not. That's um, awesome. We used to record things like our, you know, our all-hands presentations. If it was difficult for certain time zones, being a global business, you know, we would record those and store them in Confluence for people to be able to watch back, summarize the notes. Um, and we've continued to do that now, you know. Uh, but I think that that's probably something that people probably weren't doing as much of before and uh, you know, also running meetings at different times for different time zones to suit them as well. True, being truly yeah. a global company, not a Australian company that has a global presence. So we've tried to do that as much as we can. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It sounds like you've got it, got it down pat. So in terms of the uh, from the the global, I know you mentioned earlier when you did the intro, sort of globally, it's been a bit uh, can be difficult at times to actually get that culture across uh, various different time zones. Is there, is there anything that you've put into place, apart from obviously those, uh, the, the meetings and things like that, that different time zones that you've kind of had to accommodate or try to harder to, to get that uh, culture uh, presence in those uh, areas? Yeah, look, I think time zone's one thing. Um, obviously, that's just being flexible and uh, understanding that, you know, when it's a good time zone for people to be able to meet and you can kind of be flexible with that to suit different uh, locations, not just always to be Australia-centric or to be US-centric, whatever it may be, and yep. to try and move those around a bit to accommodate people. But look, outside of time zones, scaling culture across those different markets as well. It's the same thing about building strategies for different markets, you know. I think that mm. you have to look at the people practice like you would look like a commercial or a product practice. And yes, you can have overarching principles and an overarching strategy, but you still have to localize somewhat for that place. Um, so again, yep. we've tried to do that with the culture, you know, work on initiatives and things that are important to that market as well not just to try and do a one-size-fits-all or capsule kind of solution because in all honesty that doesn't scale uh, as effectively as it, as it could I think that having what anyway I think the thing we've seen work the best is having you know globally agreed overarching principles but also having that flexibility to be able to localize for that market and, and whether that's been across you know running events creating kind of more of a, a cultural sense of being, whether it's our diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging um, initiatives, uh, whether it's our product strategies. You know, I think that people should approach that kind of um, people practice and all the all the things that come underneath that or within that uh, the same way you would approach it from a commercial or a or a product practice as well and try and build it that way. Yeah, 100%. And it, the, the one thing that sort of stands out for me with the likes of Ship It, um, where I am at the moment is that, um, and you, you mentioned the values earlier, is, is a huge part in the, the, the sort of the foundation around sort of the culture of the business. And one thing that strikes me with Ship It is that it's, it's followed from the top down. So it's kind of the, the values are, they the co-founders live by those values mm -hmm. and they're instilled through the business. And, it, and that, like you mentioned earlier about sort of having a value stage of interviews, we, we have the same thing. Um, what, what's that like at, uh, at Finder in terms of, um, is it, are they true that those values that you, you mentioned, are they followed from the top and sort of instilled through? And is that does that make it easier for a business to scale the culture that way? Yeah, look, the values are, of course. I mean, they were the, the values were designed by the founders originally in the early days, yeah. you know, 14, 15 years ago now, um, based on, 
behaviours and qualities in the early crew that they liked um, and wanted to kind of see, kind of create the pillars, I guess, for as we were growing the business. Um, and then, as I mentioned, kind of having them as part of your, you know, interview process, we have kind of, you know, we're constantly assessing every stage for, you know, for values alignment, for culture ad, these kind of things. Um, but we're also, you know, we're also looking at, um, do these things still make sense? You know, we've done we've done several things around. You know, uh, are these are these values still relevant? Do we need to do more work, like I say, on the associated behaviours, on defining them and redefining them? Do we need to add a new one? Do we take one out? So we've constantly asked ourselves that question. I think we're, you know, very fortunate that we haven't had to change too much, but we have evolved, I guess, the the stuff around the value, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And I think you know, you know the founders. It's uh, it's not something that's just in those processes as well. You know, if we ask a question, if I ask a question to Fred or to Frank or Jeremy or any of the kind of founders, and you know they're keen to just to do it. You know, go live is the word they use. That's a common vernacular and part of the vocabulary at Finder. You know, um, people mastering their craft is obviously associated to that, but it's also you know someone's truly mastering their craft if they're learning something or if they're teaching a class or if they're sharing that knowledge. And I think that they're things that we actually say. Uh, you know, openly in the business, they come become baked into the vocabulary of people. Um, yeah. But I think that you know those values are a part of it. But like I say, culture comes in every form and in all directions. I don't think it's purely coming from the top down. I think it's also not purely coming from a people team or a whatever team. I think it's uh, it's everyone's responsibility, right? I think everyone has a. Yeah. If the business or any business is being run the right way, anyone should have the ability to input on that culture and to have impact on the culture. I think that. Um, yeah, I love that. We awesome. we do have that at Finder. I think that you know you, it doesn't matter. On one of our values is one crew, right? So yeah. having a one crew effort would be kind of pitching in and making it happen, no matter what your role is. You know, we're all pushing towards common common goals here. And yeah. you know, everyone's on the same team. There is only one crew truly at Finder. And yeah. um, and I think that we tr- we try and we try and make that live and breathe. And and I think that that that's, it speaks in itself for the fact that everyone is equal, no matter you know. How long you've been with the business? What country and what team you're in? Whatever, everyone has the same volume on their voice when they when they have an opinion, you know. Um, so yeah. we try and make sure that 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 can that can come from every direction and at any time. Yeah, hundred percent, and that's key. Yeah, it's uh, everyone having an input across the business. Mm-hmm. It's, um, yeah, one hundred percent. And was there any any kind of things that you were looking to implement or um, looking at building that didn't work out the way you thought it was going to go, or um, and, and and also on the back of that. Did you, did you actually learn from it and actually come up with other initiatives? Um, I can't think of any huge, like massive mistakes we made or anything. Thankfully, but yeah. you know, there's things that there's things that we probably, again, we went live with, we put out there, we tested, and go, we probably need to tweak this, or we need to evolve it, or take it in a different direction, mm-hmm. or maybe we roll it out differently. You know, so I think that again, it's the whole taking that product-led approach to people and running that yeah. in the same way. You know, you wouldn't put a a product out there to your customers that wasn't functioning properly and just leave it there and go, oh, it'll probably work itself out. So why should you do that with people if it's an internal practice? You know, you you work out what's working and going well, you work out what isn't and you try and you try and bridge the gaps there and, and you know enhance what is working well. So I think they're, they're things that we've we've tried to do. Um yeah. I think that, you know, like I mentioned before about um Trying to be a global business with a global approach, but localizing. I think that's something we've learnt, uh, not necessarily learnt the hard way, but I think it's just from feedback and listening to people. Again, the people will oftentimes give you the answers you're looking for if you listen to them properly. I think that um, you know some of our some of our um, initiatives we've tried to run in diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. You know, there's, di- there's different countries have different different views on that. There's different things that are kind of more poignant in those markets. So again, we've had to 
kind of drill down and probably research further. Um, so I think that that's something we do quite well now as a business is build an overarching set of principles. And when I say a set of principles, I mean literally like for talent, for example, we've got 12 principles. We've got, yeah. as a people and culture team, we've got 11 principles. And between different teams, we have them. We agree on them, the people in those teams sign off on them, and we're kind of, you know, aligned by those, I guess, as people. Um, but then we can localise specific for markets outside this. So it gives us a kind of a foundation with flexibility, I guess, is the way to look at that. Yeah. No, I love that. That's awesome. Um, and in terms of... Um your perspective and look at it obviously we're both part of uh, a slack channel with quite a number of different uh, tech startups that are a part of it from, from, from your feeling what do you think are some of the common challenges that some of these fast growing organizations are facing when when they are scaling um i think there's i think there's common threads for a lot of these you know scaling tech businesses i think yeah. that also one thing to mention is you know, just because it works at Finder doesn't mean it's going to work at ShipIt. Just because it works at Google yeah. doesn't mean it will work at Twitter. You know, it's one of those things that, 100%. again, you can take some some learnings from and listen to people's opinions and maybe those people can help to try and validate some of your thinking. But it's not going to yeah. be a one-size-fits-all solution. So I think that, you know, I mean, there's, obviously there's current challenges in the market globally around, you know, talent shortage and competitiveness for that talent. People are talking about this whole... Great resignation piece, which uh, I'm not sure what to think of necessarily. I'm not. I'm not 100% convinced by it. I think that, you know, I get that people have stayed in a job for job security, and now they have opportunities open to them, and they may be looking at that. You know, people have rephrased it as the the great reassessment. People are re reassessing what's important to them now after some time. Uh, a lot of companies, you know, people I've spoken to, um, there's actually a CTO of a company last week on a on a panel um, that we did for the men championing change uh, fourth birthday that I'm a co-organizer for and someone said call it the great um, the great vacation you know because borders have been closed it's not necessarily that people will be leaving if you've treated them well people just might want to have a, a long vacation and unfortunately that might happen for a lot of people especially if you're you know in Australia there's a lot of people who have over expats and family overseas and stuff and, and I'm sure in many of the markets the same and um, so it's another thing you're gonna have to look at is you know um, people's annual leave balance, people taking vacation, capacity planning for that if it's all happening at the same time. So that's another angle to look at the whole great resignation piece on. But I think that, you know, there's discussions around salary influxes and there's things around policy rethinking. We've just done some work there, which we were doing anyway, but we've, we've done some changes to our policy. Like our, um, our we just launched a, a 20 week parental leave policy, which as someone who's going to be a first time father in February, um, yeah. I'm I'm excited by that one, and um, I think it's I think it's amazing <laughs> that I'll get to uh, you know spend time with my son in his in his in his early days, but also to be there to support my wife and make sure that she's um, supported throughout that that piece as well. Uh, we've yep. also relaunched like a you know we've added an extra five days of annual leave to everyone globally as part of our um, you would call it life leave. So it's you know things yep. like if you're it's your child's first day at school, if it's heartbreak leave, you know if there's a relationship you're having some struggles with or ending, if it's a um, paternity, you know, if, you, if you've got a new pet coming into the house and you need to spend some days to settle that. So we've, we've allowed everyone else to have five days extra a year. And I think these are just, these are things that I said a while ago were going to become more important and they have been. Um, I think yeah. that, you know, office space and, uh, you know, beanbags and free lunches and all these kind of things, we have all those things and they're, 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 they're still great to have. But I think that, you know, in the longer run, people are going to look more at the benefits and the perks, you know, whether that's to do with parental leave, the, the life leave, the flexibility, the childcare, the um, you know extra super maybe if it's in the US you're looking at kind of you know 401k allowances and different dental and health benefits. Um, 
if it's UK, your pension, you know, there's all these different kind of things and different markets that people are, I think companies are going to have to start rethinking where they approach those and what they're actually offering. Um, so, you know, without going on Completely forever, agree. there's some of the things that I think people will see as, as things they'll have to, uh, to, to adjust, adjust for. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And it's, it's things that we, we as a business are looking at at the moment as well. And, mm-hmm. and time, whether people like it or not, the, the times have changed over these last two years. Mm-hmm. And people's kind of motivations towards work, I think it's come to the realisation of what, what's actually important to people now. Um, and it's going to make a massive difference. Yeah, I think someone someone spoke to me last week and was um, asking about, you know, do you feel the, the balance has shifted now and it's more of a candidate-driven market? And I, I kind of... Just pause for a second. I kind of thought if you've been approaching it as it's not a candidate-driven market ever for the last few years, mm-hmm. then you've kind of been doing it wrong for a long time. You know, I think it's been it's been it's obviously been a two-way process when people are interviewing a company and a person for for a long time. I think, and um, yeah, and if people think that's only a recent thing, then I think you know they've probably missed a trick there. I think that for a long time it's been about you know branding your business properly, making sure you've got a compelling EVP and story to tell, making sure yeah. that you know you've got. Whether, whether you want people to work for your company or not, people should want to work for your company when they go into an interview yeah. process. And it's about giving them the best experience as a candidate that you possibly can. And I think that's also, you know, that's also the way you should approach people who work for the business internally. You know, it's like everyone should have the, the best opportunity to do their best work and be looked after in the best way and, and you know, enjoy their, enjoy their time. Um, the lines are getting blurred more and more between work and home life. Um, it's just becoming less of a... Less of a balance and more of a blend, I guess. So that's something that people need to consider um, as well. I think there are there are a lot of topics that I think people will will probably speak on more in the next few years and what's gone well and what hasn't gone well there. Um, so no. yeah, keen to hear more about that in the next in the next while as well. No, hundred percent. That, that's perfect. And then, and in terms of from from a measurement from a, uh, a finder, um, in terms of your measuring the success, what what are some of the data points that you actually use to measure the success of the of making sure that you're scanning the culture? In the right way mm, that's a good question we have um a few different data points so ways to measure you know uh, enps and kind of you know uh, employee sentiment the crew feedback around these kind of things and um, that's from obviously just a you know a measurement out of you know a scale of one to ten or a percentage whatever it may be but we also have an open text area and kind of um, anything else extra to add which we actually have a, a weekly ama in each country and as part of our 90-day presentation, we'll also do this, and um, the company all hands every 90 days. I'll actually use some of that text from those from those tools and actually post the questions directly. Another one of our values is be straight up, and I think that it's important that we, you know, are honest with each other, but also that we communicate clearly and and take on feedback well. And um, it's a sign of a business able to operate well from a people perspective when you can do those things. So I think that we're really. Um, we try and get the founders or the leaders of the business, you know, whether it's the country CEOs, the CTO, whatever it may be, to answer those questions and speak to people's concerns or their remarks. Or you know, some of them are very positive as well, and we kind of try and look at those and, and we enhance, we try and build on those and enhance enhance the business based on that feedback too. So I think the yeah. listening to the feedback actively is is the key there. Um, another, I guess, measurement for success is obviously you know we have external bodies, there's great places to work. We've Done that for the last couple of years, and you know, very thankfully, we've 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 made the great places to work or best places to work list um, for the last two years in a row, which is, which is fantastic. But again, you get a lot of you get a lot of really meaningful data with that, um, which is which is super interesting. We also have just launched our, we've just got, the, we've actually just got the data crunched from our second um, internal diversity survey we've run, um, diversity and inclusion survey. So we've built out some data points around that and the sentiment there, and kind of built out 
built out our overarching themes for this year based on the feedback there and based on some of the key data points that we've taken. And we'll be looking to you know, split up working groups to, to, to collaborate and to hopefully uh, improve things in those areas that we've, we've set ourselves the, the goal to. So, yeah, there's a number of different, I guess, areas we gather data from and, and how we use that data, again, comes in different forms. Um, but the, yeah. the key first part is just is setting up the systems to be able to gather that data, listening to it properly, actioning it. And, you know, the, the data is no good if there's no actions that come from it. You know, you can have reams yeah. and reams of data and sentiment from people. And if they don't, um, if that doesn't get used to make positive change or to improve things or to enhance what's already working, then it's, it's redundant, really. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. You can record everything, but it's, uh, if you're not actually doing anything about it, then what's the point? Exactly, you know? yeah. um, so, if if uh, the final question for me, mate, if you uh, to give us a piece of advice to a talent head or a business owner who currently scaling at speed and struggling to maintain that culture that got them there, mm-hmm. what would what would your advice be, or uh, in order for them to, to successfully do that? Um. I don't think I've got a one-size-fits-all kind of answer for that question, yeah. but I would say, the first thing I would say is, you know, you've got this, uh, you know, people often, it can be overwhelming, people can doubt themselves, there's a, there's a, the, 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 the thought of imposter syndrome in a lot of this, and, you know, people will work, you know, the right if you, if you approach it in the right way, you will work it out, and I think with the right support in the business, you can get there, and they're very thankful, you know, there's a lot of great people in in the industry in Australia and in other markets as well that are willing to share feedback and thoughts and perspectives to to help with us as well and I think that that truly collaborative group is something I'm super thankful for and I'm sure many others within that group as well um, I would say that you know if you're trying to link the success of a talent function ultimately that's linked to the success of a business function as in the entire company I think working closely with founders or leaders in the company to agree and align on a strategy to pop properly capacity plan uh, against you know budgets and forecasts to reevaluate those ongoing to Try and test new things and not be too rigid with the systems you have and see what, you know, evolve that over time to make sure that you do have systems and, you know, you can gather data when needed and you're measuring the right things. So there's probably, I know that's not one piece of uh, advice, that's probably several pieces of advice, but they're all important things to consider when you are trying to, you know, scale a business, scale culture to, to form to form the, the foundations that will take you to that next level. Um, so, yeah, there's probably a few things I'd, I'd list there. That's awesome. That was more than I expected. So I really appreciate that. Um, it's been it's been awesome to to catch up with you. Um, uh, and in terms of the, uh, it'd be awesome to get you back on, Jamie. In terms of some of the other topics that we can potentially unwrap and uh, get your thoughts on. Um, before we before I let you go, mate. In terms of the the channels for the listeners to actually get hold of you, uh, what's the sort of best uh, best platforms for them to reach out to you? with any questions yeah cheers mate thanks for having me um love to always you know come back on and, and talk about anything that i can try and add value on um i yeah. think the, the I'm, I'm not a guy who's got you know too many socials i'm not on instagram or twitter or anything so <laughs> i'm on the the main one i guess from a from a talent perspective would be linkedin Um so just i think it's uh just just search jamie finnegan there's not that many of us i'm the one that works for finder um and <laughs> uh yeah that's it really just jamie at finder.com if anyone wants to chat about anything else feel free to reach out Mate, that's awesome. It's been a pleasure and uh, thank you for your time. It's, uh, there's a lot of uh, nuggets of information that you've given there that I'm sure the listeners will get uh, value from. Well, good, I really appreciate it. Great to speak to you, mate. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, Jamie. Speak soon, mate. Bye-bye. Take care.